Greetings, colleagues and friends. Cambria Evans here, the teaching and learning EMDR consultant. Y'all, today we're talking about something that is so close to my heart. We're talking about designing your practice to have intentional generosity, right? Because here at Zero Disturbance, we don't just believe in growing wealth and growing choice for you and your clients, but we have a value system, right, around how to be intentionally generous. And this is an important conversation, y'all, because so many of us as therapists are taught that the way to be intentionally generous is to offer a sliding scale spot or a sliding scale program to work pro bono. And none of that is wrong and none of that is bad. But in today's episode, I am joined by Andriana Mabry, and we are going to be talking about another idea to be intentionally generous in your practice. So I am here talking to Andriana Mabry. She is a uh, LMFT in private practice, and I've been getting to know her really, really well in the consultation program. And she's been sharing things with me about her mission and her vision and her belief system. And I just wanted everyone else to, to get to know her and get to kind of hear what she's up to and all about. So thanks for coming on the podcast and hanging out with me today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. It's really awesome. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, why don't you just let folks know kind of where you are and, and who you are so they kind of get a sense of that. Sure. So uh, I'm a mental health therapist, LMFT in Southern California. Um, my town is called Rancho Cucamonga, which is about 60 miles east of Los Angeles. Um, basic suburban town. Um, what I do here is, uh, EMDR exclusively, um, at least as a framework, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, all of my clients have been through something that would be considered stressful. Most of them would also consider it traumatic. And, uh, I work with them to help them re-regulate and start to move through their lives in a bit more self-controlled way. Um, so that's uh, what I'm doing like on a daily basis. And then starting last summer, I started offering intensive work. So that's um, been the benefit for sure of like having access to your program, right? Is it's something I've been wanting to do. I have a lot of support in implementing it. And uh, I've been running intensives for about six months now, and that's been really rewarding. Um, and that's uh, my primary focus in my practice. Uh, we see um, people in session in the office and also virtually um, through the state of California. So that's a little bit about me, my primary job. Amazing. And and you, um, what what strikes me about you in particular is that you know, as you have transitioned your practice into a different model and even have plans to keep offering different things, which is so exciting. And we'll talk about, um, I think out of everyone I know right now, <laughs> myself included, you've had this amazing ability to like pace yourself through a really interesting transition and journey. Um, do you want to share with folks kind of what that's looked like for you and kind yeah. of where it started from? It's been interesting. I think um, I pace myself 
uh, but also I have a, like a lot of things going at the same time. Uh, so it's, it's almost like a survival mechanism, right? Like in order to get all the things done that I want to do, I can't afford to burn myself out. Like I've already been there and kind of done that. And so, um, it's, it's one of those principles of like, you can do everything, but you can't do everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I started my business in 2019, um, one of the main things that helped me learn this principle was actually this planner I got, which was like the Panda planner. I don't know if you've seen that one. There's like a thousand different brands of planners out there, but there's like this one that's like designed for CEOs and you know leaders. Right. And I was like, I'm starting a business. I'm a CEO. You are. And I got, yeah. So I got this planner, right. Like before I had any clients and it has this like quarterly uh, section where it's like, okay, what is your mission? What is your vision? What are you going to do for the quarter? Right? Like what's your one-year goal? What's your three-year goal? What are your KPIs? Which like, I didn't even know what a KPI was at that point. It's a key performance indicator in case (laughs) our listeners don't know, but like that really helped like frame the fact that like you have to do this in chunks or else you'll just get totally overwhelmed. And that's been one of the things about being an entrepreneur that's been so interesting is like once you have the space to think there's so many ideas that come and it can be really tempting to like do them all and so from that just like training myself to think in those like more organized chunks I think that translates into like okay what can I reasonably get done in this quarter versus oh, it's a new year and I'm gonna do it all like I I know I will set myself up for failure if I do that so I love, I love the, the anchoring and like, um, self-responsibility and self-care that's, that's embedded in what you just said. And Mm -hmm. I think for me as an entrepreneur, that's been my biggest challenge is to have all these ideas and want to do all of them. And, and I don't tend to go into a freeze response, but I definitely noticed myself in patterns where I've overwhelmed myself with it. And so I've always been impressed with you that you've had this really steady pacing about where you are and where you want to go. Um, and it's been interesting to get to work with you when you've been doing intensives because, um, you're just a really, what's the word I want to say? You're a very like, um, fantastic therapist. It's like, you're like your clients so easily attach to you and like do such great work with you. And so it's, it's kind of like a blessing and a curse, right? Because we're really good at our jobs. And then it's like, okay, I'm getting all these clients in, right? Um, which can also take up a lot of space too. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a challenge because like in starting out, like coming out of the agency world, right? Like the mindset still with me has been like, I want to help as many people as possible and like, also, there's a lot of people who don't have access to experienced trauma-informed therapists when they need them, right? And um, unfortunately, I think in the agency milieu, it's like kind of a newbie gets thrown in with like the most complicated cases. And so for me, like jumping into private practice, I was like, I'm taking all the insurance and I'm, you know, going to do everything I can to serve every single person. And it's like, okay, hold on a second. Like for one, when you are taking insurance, like there's a lot more constraints, right? And like, maybe you only have 45 minutes to the minute and, you know, maybe 
you can only be seen at a certain frequency or a certain length of time, right? Um, but those clients, like once they experience like, oh, wow, you actually are licensed and skilled and, you know, you have this additional training and you understand how trauma impacts me. And you can talk about how it's impacting my body. Like that's such a revelation to them that they're like, don't leave me ever. I'm, you know, even though I'm totally fine, like, please just keep seeing me, you know, and like that's been like the real challenge, right? Like I want to help more people and also like these clients that are doing well, it's hard to like transition out because they just, you know, they finally get that experience that they've been wanting. Yes. Oh, it's like the TV therapy experience, right? Oh, you can actually like have calm and feel supported and not just feel like rushed through, you know? Yes. You know, I, I have a lot of respect and appreciation for you for lots of reasons. And one in particular is you just have this heart for service. Um, I was in a nonprofit kind of coming up in my career. I was never in like a kind of community mental health agency. Can you, for those of us that didn't have that experience, or maybe those of us that that have or are in it, can you just kind of explain what that was like for you? Yeah, uh, different places. Everyone has their own character, right? Um, but for me, so in my traineeship before I graduated, I uh, was working for a school district and I was working for a police department. They had their community um, like outreach program that the police department would do so that if someone was referred, right, and they didn't need legal intervention, they needed mental health intervention, they would kind of come to us. So that was like where I cut my teeth, right? And in that experience, you're often dealing with like, they take trainees, they take pre-license, they take people who haven't graduated yet because that's what they can afford. Yes. Right. So that's already very low resources provided. Right. Um, Creating your own materials. Right. Like photocopying or, you know, hand drawing materials. Right. Because there's no way you're going to be able to purchase it or have a budget of any kind. Right. Um, But that is also an enjoyable experience in a way. It helps you kind of like think on your feet. Mm. So I transitioned out of that into a methadone clinic, which was a lot of fun, um, but also very stressful. And um, that was like 5 a.m. session. Like there was someone in the seat right across from me at 5 a.m. and we were both drinking coffee together, like getting this therapy done. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like maybe a, you, you're, you're balancing this like high need but not necessarily as many resources to match the need. And so what happens is a lot of coordination, a lot of referring out to other resources. And often when, you know, depending on the person who's coming in as a therapist, right? The client may actually have more experience with this setting than you do, right? They may, like, especially in the methadone clinic, they may have been going there for years, right? And so there's also this dynamic of like, okay, I know what I know, but there's this giant field of things I don't know, but I still have to be an authority figure here. And so that, just that transition, I think it helps you become a little bit more authoritative, right? But it also is humbling. Yes. And it's exhausting. 
And um, by the time I hit my final agency job, which was like wraparound military families, um, I was, I was tired. I was just tired, right? Um, At that point I was more experienced, right? But the more experience means two things. One, they can put more on your plate because they expect that you'll handle it. And two, there's such high turnover they're constantly being pulled, right, in all these different directions. And so the way I would describe agency work overall is that, like, any resource you have, you have to be able to, like, call it up and use it and, like, rely on it because there's kind of no breaks and there's no, like, wiggle room. There's not a lot of space. So that's kind of the characteristic of uh, agency life if you want to call it that just listening to it, I can feel myself getting tired I'm are like, you are you tired yeah I'm like, tired like thinking about it <laughs> and and you know just when I was all I have to kind of compare to and when I was in this nonprofit, what I'm remembering as you're as you're speaking how coming up as a trainee and an intern right where my rate was you know five dollars ten dollars twenty five dollars for a session we were given the hardest not the hardest. We were given clients that didn't have access to certain financial resources to pay for therapy. And that felt so good, right. To be called mm-hmm. to service, right. I was, I was in a Christian counseling center and we were like, we're in service. We're helping people that don't have resources. And I can remember the overwhelm as a uh, training and intern, our guests are now called associates <clears throat> where I was given the DID client mm-hmm. or I was given this severely complex PTSD client Mm-hmm. Um, because they had been so neglected by the mental health system for so long. And I can just remember having this, ex- this dual experience of like, I really feel good that I'm helping people and wow, I feel really incompetent. Right. And that mindset to, to hold both starting off in your mental health career is a lot. Right. It's a right. Lot. And you're, you know, coming out of graduate school, we're especially in a cohort model, like admitting that you're not necessarily getting it all is not the easiest thing to do, right? And, you know, you need to make sure you have supervisors you can trust and that all kinds of things that go along with that. Cause that feeling of just like, I think I know what I'm doing, maybe <laughs> like that can turn into burnout really fast. I know, I know. I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because, you know, you having had that experience and now being in private practice, right. And, and doing these, this intensive model, you know, it's, it's amazing to watch our beliefs change as we learn, like, as we go through these different mental health systems or mental health trainings or experiences, right. Um, for people, whether they're in community mental health now, or they're in kind of a nonprofit model, um, what, what would you offer them in terms of, you know, what you've learned or kind of what beliefs might've shifted for you just so people might have a little hope or like, no, there's a bridge to something that feels different than it feels yeah. now. I, I'm so glad you're having this particular conversation. And when you like opened up this question, I was like, bam, like so many <laughs> ideas came to me. Um, because when it's, it's such a stressful environment, you can start to internalize like, oh, I'm not good at this or like this field is not for me. Or like, I would I would think all the time, like, I don't know if I wanna do this for 30 years, right? Like I, the way that I was working in my first, what, 
seven or eight years of work, like that was not sustainable. And all I could think about was like, how am I going to do this with kids? How am I going to do this when I don't have as, as much energy? Right. And like, the other thing that would come up was like, I would hear tales of, you know, people in private practice and they would just, you know, of course they're coming back into the agency world. So that's like a selection bias a little bit. Right. But I would hear stories about like, Oh, I, it was fine, but it was lonely or it was so hard to make income or, you know, that kind of thing where it's was like off putting like, wow, agency work is really hard and exhausting. And I'm not sure I want to do that, but also like, the other option out there is private practice. And it sounds like that's really hard and exhausting too. You were seeing and, the boomerangs come back. Yeah, exactly. Go out there. Yeah. It's so like the water is not fine. Right. That's you know? And yeah, it felt like, Oh, I, kind of a trap or like, maybe I need to change careers. Like I thought this is what I wanted to do, but now I'm not so sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and so if there was a point of hope that I could give, it's like, you don't know until you try. And one of the great things about our field and starting private practice is like, you can start with one client, like literally find a space. You can use your own home now. Like telehealth is so easy <laughs> for one hour and just like, see how it feels, see how it feels to like decide how much you charge, see how it feels to collect that money, see how it feels to like decide how much you get to keep and how much you have to spend in order to keep your business going. Right. Like, but it's like such a low barrier to entry mm. that at least like you could try. And then if it's not for you, it's not for you, but, um, I'm finding that it's really enjoyable and like a lot more peaceful than anything I've experienced previously. Wow. You know, a lot of the meetings I have with therapists when I'm um, consulting with them or coaching with them, I hear this a lot and I'm, and I'm guilty of this too, right? Which is, which is this idea, like I'm doing this right now. And if I want to do this other thing that might feel better or be better or, or support this phase of my life, it's like, I'm either doing this or I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget, and it's such a simple idea, but I think we forget that we can be in this space, right? Like you said, in an agency, or we can even be in private practice doing a weekly model. And mm -hmm. if we want to try having that one private practice client as an experiment, mm -hmm. we can do that and see how it feels and go from there. Or we can mm -hmm. try to do one intensive and see how that, and so I, I love this idea of experimenting and giving people permission to do that because it's an easy place to freeze in, right? If you're just like, this is it. And I have to somehow figure out how to jump all the way into this and be successful. Mm -hmm. but that's just not even really how like anything works. It's not how relationships work. Like you don't meet someone you're like, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. Day one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, long time ago before I started consultation with you, you were, you know, sending out your emails and, um, I sent you an email. You had asked for questions, just like, what questions do you have about doing intensives? And I sent you an email, like, how in the world do you sit on the computer for like six hours or eight hours at a time doing this? Like, I don't understand. And um, your email. <laughs> I, I was very much expecting you to solve that problem for me and answer mm. that question for me. Right. And when you replied back, you were like, yeah, I don't know. That sounds really rough. Like maybe don't do that. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> 
right. But like I, after two years of being in private practice, like you would think like you've internalized, like oh, I can do whatever I want. Like I'm in private practice, not whatever you want, but you know, like we have boundaries, but it, it's still like, it's so easy to think about like, uh, there's a model and I have to fit into it or there's a box and I have to fit into it. And like, that can look like I have to do one thing or the other thing. It can look like there's no transition. There's only stop or go. Like it can look like so many things. And for me, like that mindset block of like, oh, well, if someone else is doing it this way, then that's how it should be done. And I will figure out how to like pretzel myself into it. I think that's very much the agency like mindset still with me, right? Like there's all these rules and regs and everything's there for a reason, right? And your supervisor's there to make sure you do those things and they're important. And also they train you to think about what other people are needing done instead of what actually makes sense for who you are as a therapist. Beautiful. And yeah, it's, it, there's a, such an unraveling process of like all that mindset stuff when you're in a totally different don't reality. You feel, don't you kind of feel like as an entrepreneur, we're kind of like in the matrix a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. wait, like, I don't, and I can't figure this out yet. I can't figure out if the mental health field calls in rule followers mm-hmm. or if our training makes mm-hmm. us rule followers by like mm-hmm. scaring us. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're going to hurt someone or like, yes. you're going to be a, like mm-hmm. lose your license. Or we're like, Oh, and right. I, I can't tell if it's both or one or the other, but something really does like incredible happens when we realize like, yeah, we're going to be clinically ethical and responsible. Right. And also like when you're in private practice, you can just design it to work for you and do experiments. And that's just your life now. And it's mm-hmm. like something, it just kind of clicks in this yeah. mindset. Yeah. Well, there's like, even thinking about, you know, the stories I heard about how it's so hard to make money or it's so expensive and all this mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like when I, I'm working at an agency and I'm being paid a certain rate, right, for my work, like it wasn't until, I don't know, some someone said something to me that clicked about like, your hourly rate is actually this, mm-hmm. but you're only keeping, let's say, you know, your hourly rate is 120 from what the county is going to reimburse, but you're only keeping 35, right? So like all that other money is there to like, make sure that all the other bureaucracy continues to be paid, which is important, right? Like I definitely didn't have time to file those notes. I definitely didn't have time to go to all the county meetings that my supervisors went to, right? Like that's all very important, Mm -hmm. but we sometimes like think the rules and the like expectations are like there to protect us. And some of them are, but some of them are there to just make sure that the gears and the cogs keep turning, right? And like, there's just fewer layers of those gears and those cogs Mm -hmm. once you're out of it. You know, I, I'm glad you brought up money and, and rates and pricing because there is an interesting conversation happening uh, in the mental health community among therapists, right? And there's, there's these different perspectives. I will say, I, I truly believe every therapist wants to serve and help and do the right thing. And there's this huge spectrum, right? From like, 
you know, you should, you should charge like whatever people can pay, or you should charge nothing to like, you know, uh, like, you know, charge the most you can, or I don't know who says that, but there's like, there's a huge range, right. Um, of people around price. And I have been noticing kind of in this matrix that we're in now that there are limited options that people can come up with about how to be in service and be intentionally generous, mm-hmm. right? Like I think some of the more creative models are like, oh, I have a sliding scale program or a sliding scale spot or I have a pro bono spot or whatever. But what really um, like struck my heart when you told me about what you were kind of up to with your project was that you, I think, have found a way to make this like huge ripple effect of intentional generosity that isn't about your rate with a client. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important for people to think kind of outside the box like you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I was hoping you could share a little bit about that so people can maybe feel inspired to get creative about how to still be generous and in service, but also make sure that they're not um, limiting themselves in terms of taking care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, if I could give an analogy, I think uh, the one yeah. that comes to mind is coming out of the, you know, serving military families in that program and like the people, the service members who came back and were relatively unscathed, at least visibly unscathed, right? One of the things they'd have to process is like, wow, I made it back and my buddy didn't, right? And like, I was committed to my buddy on my left and my right. And like, I'm here and I'm with my family and like, mm. where are they, right? And as my transition into private practice happened, I had a kind of similar like parallel experience where it was like, we have been in these trenches together. Like I have dealt with some types of situations that like me and other colleagues had to like go to Denny's in the middle of the night and like cry together, right? Like it is a very stressful experience. And, you know, then I'm married and starting a private practice and bye guys and like have a nice life. And it's like, my heart is just like, no, they're still doing that work. And the work didn't stop, you know, didn't go away. There's still, unfortunately, children in foster care. There's still, unfortunately, service members who need to deal with their trauma, right? They're still doing that. And for me, you know, being in private practice, I've definitely found different ways to give back in financial ways. But ultimately, what I realized is getting licensed changed my life in a way that almost nothing else could have as far as a career trajectory. Mm. And I know I don't want pre-licensed therapists to burn out in the pre-licensed stage before they get to experience how many options you have once you're licensed. I can only speak to the state of California as far as that goes, but my expectation is that other states are like this too, where, yeah, maybe you can start a private practice or you can do some things, but you ultimately have to always find someone to co-sign your ideas and you have to find someone who's willing to give you permission to do certain things, right? And so what I've started is at this point, it's just a weekly newsletter, right? Just a like Sunday night 
hey, like before you go into this crazy work week, like here is some things to think about. Here are some ideas to help you get through it. Here are some ideas to think through like how to make it a little bit more smooth, work more efficiently, whatever it is, right? For my, you know, in the trenches, community mental health colleagues who I'm, you know, still texting and, you know, phone calls and, oh my gosh, this crazy thing is happening and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, in a way that like, I would have loved to have that when I was there, but also who was going to write it when we were all there, right? Like I didn't have the time to write that. I barely could have the time to make all the meetings I was supposed to go to, right? Mm -hmm. So now like I have actual brain cells to contribute <laughs> to that idea in a way that, you know, at the time they were all spoken for really. Yes. And, and, and I just, this idea of speaking to people um, from a place where you have more capacity, right? Um, and speaking kind of like into their hearts, not just with like the content, I mean, right, that you're offering them, but but I, I was reading what you were sharing in your, in your uh, newsletter. And it was like really uh, relational and encouraging, um, which I think we need both when we're in those spaces, right? Um, and, you know, as a, as a wife of a Marine veteran, I have, you know, heard from my husband, the loyalty of being in those relationships when you're in the trenches. And I hear that same kind of loyalty in that stressful agency work, right? And we're hearing that same loyalty right now during COVID with healthcare workers who are yeah. like in these healthcare systems getting fire hosed with just overwhelm and, and trauma and stress. And it's like, you know, if I leave, I'm leaving my team. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. so I love that you have made a choice that works for you and is still serving people. And you are now speaking to people who are in the place that you've been and you're filling them up and you're nourishing them. And I mm -hmm. think that a lot of therapists become therapists to be a presence that didn't exist for us before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for you to be that presence for them in that space, I just, I think that's one of the most, um, I've chills. It's, it, I think it's one of the most beautiful forms of intentional generosity, right? Yeah. Um, yes. I, 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 oh, I'm just, I'm excited that you're doing this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think about it in so many different frameworks, right? Like being intentionally generous is a part of it. And I think also like acknowledging privilege is a part of it, right? Like uh, not everyone was in the situation that I was in where, you know, I could say to my brand new husband, hey, by the way, like, I don't know if this is gonna work, but I'm gonna start a business. And like, um, also like, can you make sure to pay rent? Like, thanks. <laughs> like not everyone gets to do that for various reasons. Like I was single for all the way up until my, you know, license. Mm -hmm. And like, I was barely treading water as far as like being able to just afford my own basic needs, much less paying student loans and all that stuff. Like, yeah. right. So <laughs> I had this like small window of opportunity to take, and I'm very glad I did but everyone's situation is not the same, right? Or certain people are great at the clinical work, but they cannot like clear enough time to study and get their license, right? Like 
that's also a privilege. Being a good test taker is also a privilege, right? And so like with the privileges I have, like that's also part of it. It is loyalty, it is care, it is generous, but it's also like a responsibility the way I see it because like not everyone has the same access to the same things, but I can at least like do my best, like pull up as many people with me as possible because honestly like there really aren't enough of us uh in agency work in private practice trauma-informed all of it like mm-hmm. I get people calling me basically every week like yeah. oh my god I have found a black female therapist who does EMDR like please 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 right and it's like I like I, at this point like I'm glad to be your unicorn but I am no longer like okay with just being here like um so that is like kind of my bigger picture mission is like I don't want this field to just like run us all ragged I want us to like make it yes yes to all of that and and thank you for naming the privilege piece I 100% agree and you know it's it's so interesting how um you know, when I was coming into this field, there was a certain kind of therapist that was like the majority, right. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, ladies in their fifties or, or whatever, right. you know, and, and I, and I am so excited that there is going to be an intentional mission to, um, you know, create more opportunity, more diversity to have, to, to have you kind of reach back and say like, come this way. It's not scary. Like private Mm -hmm. practice. Isn't that scary. If Mm -hmm. you want to come this way, like I can show you how to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Or I can show you how to survive in in the agency if you want to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm here as someone who can kind of tell you what's on this, this other part over here. Right. Right. So, So however we can kind of reach back and help people come, come with us, Mm -hmm. right. Is a way to be intentionally generous. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that you said, you know, be, be in the agency, if you want to be there, like, that's also such an important point. Um, one of the things that was so weird to me, once I got licensed, it was like, I was licensed for like, I don't know, three months before they were like, Hey, there's like a supervisor position here and there right and it's like you can't really be a clinical supervisor because you have to be licensed for a couple of years in my state right but there was still like we need leaders like we need you know people with experience like they're so ready to promote if you get that license right and for lots of people that's what they want to do in the agency world and that's great but I also had this sense of like wait a minute, like, I'm finally good at therapy. Like, <laughs> I finally have hit past that point of like, uh, I, am I doing this all right? Like, I I think, like, check, I, I'm a therapist, like, I'm good at this. And that's the point where, like, in the agency world, you kind of need to be plucked out and, like, put mm-hmm. in a leadership role. And that was another reason why I was like, I think I need to, like, do something else. Because, I actually do want to sit across from someone and be doing the therapy. Yeah. Um, not that I didn't have those other leadership skills, right? I could just use them in a way that allows me to do the therapy. So um, for those that want to stay, like there's so much opportunity in agency work 
if yeah. you can survive it. Yes. And it sounds like what you're putting out in terms of the newsletter, right, is helping people survive and stay where they are, mm -hmm. right? And or know that there are other choices available. Right. And make those choices out of a sense of like thoughtfulness and with intentionality and a goal, right? Instead of making the choice based off of either panic or the needs of the agency or whatever other things. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about um, what you were saying about being plucked for leadership roles. And I think, I mean, I, I definitely see you as a leader, not just in the EMGR community, but you know, in the, in the mental health field, um, I see that for you hundred percent. You already are. Um, I think what's so cool about being able to be a leader as an entrepreneur in private practice is that we can be creative about how we uh, not just serve our community, but also how we lead, right? Mm -hmm. And so I imagine that there will be um, lots of experiments that you do <laughs> mm -hmm. in your career, right? In terms of how you're going to lead uh, things that are, you know, from your personal experience are close to your heart. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like, of course, transitioning into doing intensives has been part of it. I think transitioning off of insurance is another big thing. Right. Um, and for, to be able to provide the newsletter, the survival guide, kind of on a weekly email basis, like nice and short and sweet, right? That's another experiment, but that's also like experiment number three or, you know, whatever of all the things I've tried. Like, I'm sure this is the message, right? And I'm still like tweaking the vehicle to send that message out, right? Yes. Um, and I'm also hoping to get it going in an audio form at some point as well. So that way, you know, if you don't want to sit in front of your email, you don't have to, you can just listen or People can have else. you in their ear as they're maybe yeah. like walking from the parking lot into uh -huh. work. Or Put me on repeat saying, you can do it. You got this. Just take a deep breath. You'll be okay. Oh. Well, I am just so impressed by you. I, I'm so excited to see how all this goes. If folks are curious about either working with you uh, as a client uh, with an intensive or if they're learn wanting to like just come be around you and learn with you about whatever you're talking about or mm -hmm. people want the survival guide, like how, how can they access you and find you? Yeah, so for um, therapists who are just looking for some encouragement as they're going through their work life, um, the survival guide, you can sign up. Let me pull up the um, website. It's cmhsurvival.showuptraining.com, which is a very long URL. So I'll make sure to get you the link that you can share. Yes, yeah, we'll put notes. it in the notes, with show notes. And then um, my... If you sign up for that, once you get the emails, if you reply to the emails, they come directly to me. So um, if you're interested in getting some one-on-one -on -one support or just have a question that you want me to write about, you can always just reply to that email. Um, for those looking for intensive work, as far as working on their own trauma as a therapy client, mm -hmm. that's just showupcounseling.com. And I will give you that link as well. So you can put it in the notes. Awesome. Um, and at this point it's intensives only. So there's a lot of info on the website about what that all entails. And um, if you're curious, send me an email. 
Amazing. Well, thank you for all that you do. Yeah, um, thank you for supporting. Absolutely. Because it is a um, definitely a challenging field, even in private practice. But it's been so nice to have like good co coaching, good support, good resources. It's it's definitely made a huge difference for me in my practice. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, it's my honor to support you. Um, and, you know, we'll put all the links in the show notes so folks can get in touch with you. And I would love to, you know, if it feels good, I would love to like loop back and have an update at some point about how things are going. Definitely. Okay. Sure. Awesome. <laughs> I want to again thank Andriana for joining us here on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure to get to know her and support her in the consultation program. And we will have all of her information for you to get in touch and learn more about her community mental health survival guide. And if you are somebody who is interested in uh, EMDR informed clinical creativity and clinical reasoning, if you're interested in intensive programs or passive income or intentional generosity, if you are looking for a community of innovators to do all of this creative thinking with under a zero disturbance, no pressure uh, culture and framework, I would invite you to check out the consultation program. We are taking applications for our September 22 cohort and I'd love to support you. In the meantime, I wish you safety, health, and I'm rooting for your success. Take care.